Thanks for joining us for today's message. We are always so encouraged to hear how God is working through this ministry to change lives. If you have a story to share about how God has worked in your life, then let us know by sending us an email to mystory@timberlakechurch.com. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so by giving online at timberlakechurch.com give. Enjoy the message. I'm glad to be concluding this series uh, as we have been looking at how we can thrive in a can't-do culture. I want to welcome those watching uh, on our other campuses as well as we consider how God really has created us in the middle of difficult circumstances uh, to have uh, that ability to power through, that ability to see His plan, that ability to see His purpose, and that my hope is this, is that that will be true uh, of you. If you've ever uh, had uh, one of those times where you felt like it's uh, gotten pretty bad, that you feel a little bit despondent, my guess it has to do with these four words, and that's, it's just too late. Uh, and we're going to really look at that and see how God would meet us in those times uh, when we feel like it's just too late. In fact, what I'm going to be doing is really dovetailing a bit off of what uh, Pastor uh, Dave did last week. Uh, he did a great job, didn't he? Uh, yeah, and uh, so, well, you're unsure about that. No, he did a good job. <laughs> but we see in the Bible uh, a lot of examples of people uh, where they felt it was just too late. And the truth is, there's very few things in life where it's just too late. I mean, it might be too late to, you know, ask someone to the high school prom. You're 50 now. That would be a little weird. <laughs> but most things in life, we often count ourselves out before God counts us out. In fact, look at uh, these examples we see in the Bible. We'd see Peter, he would have said, I, I failed too often. It's just too late. Uh, Job, I've lost too much. Uh, we see uh, Elijah, I'm just too discouraged. I thought Pastor, jo uh, Pastor Dave did a great job talking about that last week. Uh, Abraham, I'm just, I'm way too old. I mean, isn't that one of the craziest stories in the Bible? If you're familiar, I wasn't raised around the Bible, but, uh, you know, Abraham and Sarah have kids in their 90s. Uh, that is just uh, an amazing and crazy story. And then Moses, I'm too overwhelmed. Joseph, the temptation is too tough. Timothy, I'm too insecure. And Lazarus, I'm too dead. <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, and, and you see that uh, no matter what the circumstance, that when we have this availability towards God, that He can do a miracle in our life. We see that in the Scriptures time and time again, yet often we can feel the other way. When I was a college student, I went with a ministry team uh, to Scotland and I had an incredible time there, did youth rallies uh, for three months the entire summer all across Scotland. And there was one uh, man, adult man, who was listening to uh, some of what we were saying as we were talking about uh, God and Jesus and how uh, the difference that he could make in our lives. 
And uh, after I got through speaking, he said to me, he said, young man, which by the way, I was totally offended back then. If you want to call me young man, like I don't get that unless I go to nursing homes anymore. So, uh, and he said, uh, you know, just you wait. Uh, you'll find out that life just doesn't work out that way. And he talked about how he had given up on his dreams and, and basically how I should too. He was a totally cheery guy. Uh, and the sad part for me is he had bought into that uh, for his life. Well, what do you do when you're in that kind of situation? You look for a, a God-sized miracle in your life. In fact, one of the most difficult things can happen when we find ourselves, and maybe you consider yourself a, a spiritual person, you're, uh, you're, you're a, a Christian, a Christ follower, and yet, in some ways, you feel like it's just too late for certain areas in your life and in your faith. We read in John chapter 3 uh, how one of the religious leaders of Jesus' day came to him. And this was a guy who, by all accounts, uh, had a lot going for him. But despite his, his seeking after God, there was still this gap, this void. And uh, so he came to Jesus hoping that Jesus would be able to point him in a different direction. And this is what we read. It says, Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you're doing if God were not with him. And so he's saying, hey, you know, Jesus, I see that all the miracles that you're doing, and then uh, Jesus replies, he, he says, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they're born again. But by the way, you'll hear that term, uh, people say I'm a, a born again Christian. It's actually a term uh, that's, that's biblical, it's not used a lot in the Bible. There's other terms for relationship with God, but it's the idea that it's a God-sized miracle that we're new because of what Jesus has done in us. And so uh, Nicodemus doesn't get this. And he says, how can someone be born when they're old, ne uh, Nicodemus asks. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. And so, we, by the way, thank you, Nicodemus, for that disturbing mental image. <laughs> but, but beyond that, uh, what, what do we get here? Uh, we get the idea is that there's a God-sized answer to our struggles. And Jesus inviting Nicodemus to move from being in awe of God to being a participant in God's plan. You know, I, I, I was talking with a group I meet with. I meet with a group of guys, my growth group, every Wednesday morning. We meet at uh, the Family Pancake House at rest, uh, in Redmond to, you know, study the Bible, drink coffee, and watch our arteries harden a little bit <laughs> as we're there. And uh, one of the things we're talking about are some of the, uh, the challenges that we have really in response to last week's message. And uh, as we were talking, I, I said, you know, really, I, I think there's just basically five categories that all of our challenges, a lot of times we think our challenges are incredibly unique because they're powerful and sometimes painful in our lives. But 
really, they, they are very common in a sense, and, and God has a solution to them. Well, what are some of our not-so-unique problems? One is fear. Uh, we all have fear, and uh, we're uh, afraid of something that can produ produce anger in our lives. And in fact, uh, one of the things that's happened to me in my life is uh, I think part of the, the anger issues uh, that I've dealt with in my life, some of those have subsided uh, as I'm just not as fearful as I used to be. When you find yourself living with less fear, you'll find less anger in your life because what we, we, are, we get angry when things don't work out. And, we, uh, and so what will happen is that's based, though, in a fear also, there's misplaced passion. Now, this is a hard one. I really don't mean misplaced passion. And so, uh, what I'm really talking about here is lust and uh, inappropriate sexual desires. But here was my fear, is there would be all these people with Timberlake Church outlines going to restaurants with lust written all over them, uh, left all over, you know, the east side. So I thought, uh, I'll just say misplaced passion. Uh, we all struggle with that uh, on some level. And uh, what the question is, what do, we, what do we do with that? Does God have a plan for us in that? And then there's uh, money. Uh, money can be a challenge for us. Uh, on one of two levels. Uh, it can be uh, anxiety about not having enough money or the obsessive desire to have more. And in fact, uh, I had a, a great aunt, told the story a number of years back, uh, a great aunt, and she grew up in the Depression era. And she, uh, you know, didn't have a lot, and she lived in this little ramshackle house in, right next to the railroad tracks in Salem, Oregon. And she would, uh, you know, drove this very simple car, had the same clothes for years and years and years. My, uh, my grandmother would actually, she wouldn't bathe to save money, and she wouldn't buy soap. And so my grandmother brought, bought her soap and a shower cap. Uh, so she could, you know, uh, have the resources to bathe properly and all of that. And uh, she had a, a husband who had died before she had died. And in 1981, she passed away, and all she left was this paid-off little house, her little car, and three and a half million dollars in cash. Three and a half million in 1981. That's a lot of money. If you don't think it's a lot of money, I'd like to talk to you about some special projects here at church that you can invest in. Uh, she was loaded. She had a, a lot of money, but she had this fear of not having enough. And in fact, I talk to people all the time, and, and, and they'll say, you know, I know it's sort of ridiculous. I, you know, God's blessed me. I shouldn't be afraid. And I'm like, yeah, you're ridiculous, you know. Uh, we don't see God's blessing. Or then there can just be the desire for more uh, for its own sake. Uh, and we're going to talk about uh, what the Scripture says about money because there's a lot of 
misconceptions that money is evil. The Bible doesn't say that. But it can be an evil in our life. And then there's pride. Uh, Pride or power, this is our struggle with control, where we seek advantage over others in a negative way. This this can happen uh, in what we would often think of as someone's just domineering and controlling, but you also see people who would maybe uh, even play sort of a a passive stance or a victim card, and still, either way, it's our trying to gain control. And then there's addictions. I talked about this a couple weeks ago. I used the term uh, compulsions. These are struggles, and and usually they're uh, chemical. Sometimes they're not. People struggles around uh, alcohol or drugs or food or pornography or whatever that addiction uh, might be. And what often happens for us is we go down the road in one of these paths and we hear what I believe are the four most discouraging words in our own head. And that's, it's too late. And here's the big lie that we come to believe, is that there's no realistic path to progress. But as, as I close this series, as we've, we've talked about some of these things over the last number of weeks, I want you to get God's perspective on how he wants us to have some real progress in our life. And I'm going to get pretty practical uh, today as we study uh, primarily the book of Hebrews. Hebrews was written to a group of Christ followers And they were feeling insecure. They weren't feeling confident in their faith or or, or even their life. And so the writer of Hebrews, what he does is he reminds them of who Jesus is and what that means for them in their lives. We read in Hebrews 4, 14 through 16, it says, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness. But we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are. Yet he did not sin. And then I want you to get this last part. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. And if you're a note taker, you might underline grace in our time of need. And that's what I want to look at is how God's grace meets us in our time of need. Well, as we look at those five challenges that I think every one of us has, if you have uh, uh, any, anyone struggle at least with one of those challenges, well, and I, I won't, you know, no one's going to raise their hand. Oh, yeah, pride, but then I'm going to go lust. No one's going to raise their hand on that one. Uh, but, there, but do you struggle at least with one of those things? Go ahead and raise your hand. Yeah, yeah, everyone uh, in this room. And I, I think we, we do, and it may be all of them. But I, we, we, we won't reach perfection this side of heaven. But if you're not g- gaining some ground in your life, then you're not living out the plan God has for you. Because uh, Jesus had said, I want you to have life and have it to its very fullest. And that's how we uh, counterbalance 
some of these struggles that we have. In fact, in Hebrew literature, if you, uh, you'll read a lot of the negative commands in the Bible. You know, do not do this and do not do that. But for every Hebrew negative command, there would always be a positive corollary. Uh, and we find that uh, in the Scripture over and over again uh, in our struggles. Well, the, the first battle that we have is fear, and the positive corollary there would be confidence. And in fact, in Hebrews 13, 6, it says this, So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper, helper not helper. We don't say that. <laughs> I mentioned I'm from Tacoma, right? <laughs> yeah, I missed a couple grammar lessons along the way. So, uh, so the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. <laughs> what can mere mortals do to me? Well, the truth is, we feel like they can do a lot. Uh, but they can't do anything in terms of eternity except to maybe discourage and distract us. In fact, oftentimes people will come with uh, good intentions. Have you ever been worrying about something you're afraid and you go to a friend and they say, oh, you shouldn't worry so much. And then they tell you all the bad health consequences of worrying. And then what does that do? It makes you worry more, right? Now you have something else to worry about. And so what will happen is we go down uh, this path God has a different path uh, for us. In fact, uh, oftentimes what will happen is we go to the wrong places for answers when it even comes to our faith. And in fact, there's been, uh, and it's not all bad, by the, by the way, there's a CNN series on the life of Jesus, and it has people from uh, different perspectives. Uh, but a lot of the ones who would say they're Christian scholars really you know, probably aren't what you consider a biblical Christian. And so you always need to understand what does God say, not what does someone say about God. For example, uh, I don't know if it's in the series. I heard someone uh, else talk about it. Uh, in the Old Testament, when it talks about the nation of Israel uh, crossing the Red Sea, uh, some people will say, and, and there's some truth to it, that, uh, that a variation of the Hebrew could be not the Red Sea, but the Sea of Reeds, it was sort of like a two-foot-high marsh, you know? And that's it. so uh, some skeptics would say, well, it really, you know, all this thing with the Egyptian armies and uh, God's people, it wasn't that God parted the sea, it's that they went through this marshy Sea of Reeds. And I'm like, it doesn't, either way, it's a miracle, because if you read the, test, the, the story in the Bible, either God parted the sea or the best trained army in the world on horses drowned in 24 inches of water. You know? So, true, you know, either way, it's a miracle, right? But what will happen is we'll hear someone and we'll let them distract us from faith. And if you're a skeptic, you're welcome here. There are a lot of skeptics here. Here's going to be probably the thing that's going to surprise you. You'll be challenged actually more on an intellectual basis than you ever thought you would be in church because it makes sense. There's faith. 
But there's also our logic in our brain. And we, we say, okay, there's some things that just make sense, and I can have a confidence in my faith. And so when my kids are out of control, and I don't know what to do, I believe that God can have that too. When I'm struggling with an addiction, and it's a real one, and I've tried everything, I believe that God can work a miracle. And see, when we have that kind of faith, we can have confidence. And you know what's going to happen? Especially, I say this to men. I know women get angry uh, too. Uh, I've seen it happen just a couple times in my life. (laughs) But I think men deal with anger more than women. And what will happen is, is if you have confidence in God, you'll have a calmness in your heart. And that, that, that's that peace that passes all understanding. That's with, we, we, can't, we couldn't conjure it up on our own, but it comes from God. See, uh, when, what's something that you could do today to build more faith? I'll tell you, one of the things we're going to do, uh, and I'm not just saying it, get, go to church. By the way, it's great record attendances and all that. God is blessing our church. I'm saying this for you. Next four weeks, I'm going to be studying, we're going to be studying the last week of the life of Jesus. Uh, what he did, what he said, who he hung out with, how he dealt with family and friends and critics. And I encourage you every week, and if you're not here, just listen online. It'll happen as you see the last week of the life of Jesus, as you study and learn, your faith is going to be built. And then you can take a step of faith. Do you know that 485 times in the New Testament we're told to have faith? But it's not blind faith. And it's not faith in anything or anyone. It's faith in God and what he can do in our life. And then there's, uh, like I said, misplaced passion. Because I don't want to say, you know, lust and sex and all of that. But I just did. (laughs) You know what? I see so many people who struggle and there's all sorts of reasons. And I want to tell you that if you've made mistakes in your life, sinned uh, sexually, if you have a struggle today, that God is not going to abandon you because it's that struggle. But here's the thing. We need to bring it to God. It says this in Hebrews 12, 1 through 2. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. See, when we, when we focus on Jesus... It helps us deal with some of our struggles. And then part of that is just making the decision to not entertain, not stay there. In fact, maybe you're hanging out with someone or things are getting a little too close to someone at work. And yeah, you can focus on Jesus, but you also need to put some space between you and the other person. You know what it says in 1 Corinthians 6.18? Flee from sexual immorality. It does not say flirt with sexual immorality. It does not say hang out with sexual immorality. Uh, 
I've told you the story before, a buddy of mine, uh, he went to Europe and he was saying, oh yeah, I was struggling, you know, uh, I was there alone in the red light district of Amsterdam. I'm like, first mistake, red light district of Amsterdam, flee, put some space from between you and that thing. And what will happen is, is you'll see God show up. But what'll hap- what usually we do is we wait till we get to the edge, and then we say, okay, now I'm in trouble. You know, maybe it's not uh, just sexual immorality. Maybe it's just a struggle within a marriage relationship. Uh, see, I think that when we say yes to God, we can see incredible things happen. Uh, in fact, I was... Uh, talking to one of our staff uh, people, and they were, they were just saying how people had invited through uh, our marriage ministry, re-engage, and just telling me story after story. Uh, uh, one couple who came to the church, they were divorced, and uh, part of their co-parenting thing, uh, three kids, they uh, came to the church and uh, to, together to you know, sort of parent their kids. They heard about this re-engage thing, and they said, you know, hey, why don't we go to that together? And someone shared how they're getting married again this summer on their original anniversary. You say, who could do something like that? Well, God can do something like that. I heard a, a, a couple who were uh, living in their house in separate bedrooms when they came to the church, and then they were, you know, they had been on their way, already got separate places. And yet again, they went through that re-engage ministry. And now not only are they back together, they've gone again and again and again. Again about a, a young couple who wandered into Timberlake, not getting along. They thought they couldn't make it. They thought it was too late. And they took a step. And God did an incredible work. I've talked to one, one person who their relationship, it was pretty much over and, and the spouse wasn't willing to, to work on it and that relationship ended. But the person said that God has done such a work in their life and all the pain and all the, what seemed like a disaster has now been restored in a restored relationship with Jesus and even someone new in their life. See, when we, when we focus on God's plan, he can do a work in those other areas of our life where we thought it could never happen. Well, now that we've talked about sex, let's go ahead and talk about money. Okay, number three, <laughs> money. Uh, so how does God work there? It says this in the, in the Bible. It says, keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have. And, and notice, you know, it's sort of interesting. Notice the context of this. Because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. Now, isn't it interesting? God says, don't love money because money is bad, right? No. He, he ties it to, and this happens actually a couple of times in the New Testament, with his presence and his provision for our finances. You know, uh, whenever uh, 
someone is, you know, struggling and they're maybe say, yeah, you know, I'm not, I'm not a very generous person. Generosity isn't really the issue. The issue is, do you believe God is your provider? Do you believe God can work in your life? And I encourage you to, to take that step uh, if you've never taken that step before. And then there's uh, number four, pride. And the antidote uh, to pride, I believe, is service. This is where we live not just for ourselves, but for others. It seems upside down. It seems counterintuitive, but it's God's plan. And we, we can serve others, we can serve God, not because we have it all together, but because of what God has done for us. It says, how much more then will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered uh, himself unblemished to God, cleanse our consciousness from acts that lead to death so that we may serve the living God, that we have been cleansed, we have been redeemed so that we might serve. And I'm going to encourage you as well that if you, if you look at your life and your life has been primarily about you and, and your priorities, would you believe that God would, as, as if you've given your life to Jesus, that as you live for him, that he would take care of all those other things and you would find even greater purpose in serving? You know, uh, there's so many people I said... Uh, I, I don't know if I said it last week or a couple weeks ago that we just got a report of just a number of you who are serving across the campuses. And I know, again, around Easter, there's going to be that need. It's going to just, on our five campuses, we'll have probably over 6,000 people or more uh, attending one of our Easter services. And maybe for you, it's been hard. And, and you say, you know, my schedule is weird and it's hard for me to commit to a week-to-week thing. I encourage you that little uh, insert we have in the program. That that, and I, don't let that be your last step. Let that be your first step. That you would uh, say, hey, I'm going to go to a service and I'm going to serve a service. Because something happens when we do that. And you know what else happens is lives are changed. In fact, we get comment cards from our first-time uh, guests all the time. Uh, here are some of the ones uh, that, that we received not too long ago. Uh, people were uh, friendly and helpful. I noticed how organized everything was, how friendly people were. I have two children, and the host made it easy to figure out where to take them. I was helped through the check-in process. Then we were taken to the adult service. The guys in the parking lot helped us find a parking spot. It was comfortable and relaxed. The coffee was good, because we know that God is present when the coffee is good. Pastor Ben is so intelligent, witty, and charming. It just, what are you laughing at? (laughs) here's, Here's my point. You can make an internal impact. And, And honestly, I want you to do well at work. We did a whole series at work. And you know, one of the things that surprised people is I'm saying, I want you to be the best at your work. I hope you get promotions and paid more and do well. But chances are the most significant thing you do in your life will even be outside of that environment. And it'll be that, that work, that service 
that you do for Jesus Christ. And so uh, if you haven't jumped in, I encourage you to jump in. It's a great way, one, to get connected with other people, but also to make a difference for God's kingdom. And then there's, uh, beyond that, there's addictions, those compulsions. And how do you deal with that? How you deal with that is God's grace. In fact, if you've ever been through a 12-step program, right in the early steps of that program, is the acknowledgement that your life is unmanageable and you need a higher power. It's interesting. You may not know about the 12 steps. It's really based on the Beatitudes. It's written for a, uh, from a Christian perspective, but for a broader non-Christian audience. But still, that principle applies for us, that God can take those things that we can't solve ourselves, and he can bring his power to bear on our behalf. It says in Hebrews 10, 16 through 19, this is the covenant I will make with them after a time, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their hearts, and I will write them on their minds. Then he adds, their sins and lawless acts I will remember no more. And where these have been forgiven, sacrifice for sin is no longer necessary. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we've confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus. The truth is, is that there are principles that you can learn, and, and I'm into that. I'm sort of, as a church, I believe everything we do should be helpful and practical. But there's the God component, the things that can only happen because of the blood of Jesus Christ that he gave his life, that I can be forgiven and I can be free. You remember that account we read early on of Nicodemus coming to Jesus and Jesus saying, you must be born again. And Nicodemus saying, now how in the world is that going to happen? And then Jesus later on, he says this. He says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him. You know what he was saying to Nicodemus? Nicodemus is saying it's too late, and Jesus was saying it's not too late. And no matter where you find yourself this weekend, God's ultimate word to you, that while you're still breathing, while you're still listening, while you ha still have a decision to make for him, that it's not too late. It's only too late if we choose it to be that way. And God gives us another opportunity and another choice where we can come to him, where we can receive the gift that he's given on our behalf, the, where he went to the cross, and we're, we're thinking about this as we head up to Easter. And he gave his life. He could have, it says in the Bible, he could have called down uh, an army of angels. But he decided that he would give his life and pay the price for our sins so we wouldn't have to pay the price. To anyone who would receive it, to anyone who would receive him. Thank you for listening to the Timberlake Church podcast. Stay connected with us by visiting TimberlakeChurch.com or follow us on Twitter or Facebook.